Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the day, and we're catching up with the new DC as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 453. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with new Eagles defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, a guy that I've got a lot of history with, as we're going to get into. Uh, we're going to cover a lot here with Coach Desai. Philosophy over scheme. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, we'll get into that throughout the course of this conversation. His first nickname uh, in the profession, biggest influences over the course of his career. Uh, Sean has worked with a number of outstanding defensive coaches. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Vic Fangio, but uh, a lot uh, in his resume, as we'll get to in this conversation. Before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we always hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us your rating. Leave us your review. If you can, make sure you're subscribed, number one. But number two, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts. Throw us your support. If you've got uh, a question about this Eagles team, about the scheme in general, about our opponents coming up here in the 2023 season, we are starting our look ahead. Uh, here in the coming weeks. So uh, Ben Fennel and I, we're starting to do some uh, some deep dives into some of the Eagles' early opponents, what we could see from them on the field here this fall. So if you've got questions about this team, any team on the Eagles' schedule, go and leave it in the comments section on Apple Podcasts, and we will get to it here in our upcoming episodes. That said, let's get to our chat with Sean Desai. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, very pleased to welcome here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, uh, Eagles defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Sean, welcome to the show for the first time. Thanks for having me, Fran. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, I don't know if you know this, but I've had a, a few of our uh, our former co-workers, our, our former Temple alum uh, here on the show. So uh, some people know about our Temple days together, but I'm interested to kind of get through, you know, kind of go through your journey before we get there. There were a few things from your opening press conference that I wanted to hit on. And it's funny. We talk about this every time the Eagles have had coaching changes, you know, offensive side, defensive side, the scheme versus philosophy. And I thought that, you know, you talked about the defense being palpable and, you know, some of the the, the different hallmarks that you want from the defense. In your mind, like, what is the identity uh, of the Eagles defense? What does that look like here in 2023? Yeah, I mean, we want to be able to run, hit, impose our will, play smart, and play a winning brand of football. And I think that's the essence of how we want to play defensive football here. Mm. And the scheme is the scheme, and there's a lot of ways to uh, play our scheme and, and do some things differently, and we have some flexibility and be able to adapt to different situations. But at the end of the day, if we don't do those things, the scheme really doesn't matter because you better, you better be able to run, hit, impose your will on your opponent, and play smart football so you can win. Yeah, there's only, there's only so many different ways you can deploy safeties and deploy defensive linemen. It's 11 guys, and the game's been played for 100 years, so everyone knows, like, right, this is the way that the, the guys can be deployed. But, again, it comes down to, like, the identity and the different things you're trying to hammer home. That That's exactly right. You know, uh, and I go back to one of my uh, uh, assistant coaches a while back told me, he said, hey, Sean, you can only play 0, 1, 2, 3, or 4. Mm. Yep. And there's, like you said, th- that's the only types of coverage. not how you mix them up and how you – uh, make things look that's the art of of kind of our our process and so we'll be able to mix it up and make things look differently and present different structures but 
I mean, you can rush four, you can rush five, yep. you can rush six. Like after that, there's only 11 players on the field, and like you said. The field's only 53 and a half yards long, and they can only take up so much space. Uh, I want to steal a line from uh, my friend Greg Cosell. who said, you know, the, the game, football is, it's not complicated. It's very detailed. And it's a, in those, like, little minute areas uh, on the margins where that's where the differences come from team to team and scheme to scheme. Um, so let's let's quick, let's kind of dive back. We'll, we'll jump into the time machine here. Uh, my, I first met you, I guess it would have been January of 2006, right? Is that when you, when, when did you get to, to Temple? Yeah, so... Uh, I got to Temple in the fall of 2005. Okay. Uh, started there as a student. And in that fall, and, and nobody knows because I don't really know anybody in that staff, to be honest with you, I kind of volunteered, I would say, once every other week or so uh, in the video department over there. Okay. Uh, so under um, uh, under Dave, who was uh, my predecessor times three. Yeah, yeah, yeah times something. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, so like – I mean, I, I don't even know if he remembered my name. Yeah. You know, like I was not there much. I wasn't doing much there at all. And then in the in December is when Al got hired, Al yep. Golden. And then he hired Mike Saravo, who I had uh, kind of shadowed at Columbia. And so that's kind of how I got. And so that's right. You and I would have met right after that season in yep. January. Yeah, because I, I responded to a one ad uh, looking for video assistance in January of 2006. And so, um, all right, so the, you, uh, you were at Columbia. You got your degree there. You come to Temple. You're working on your, your – which, uh, which degree did you get uh, at Temple? Uh, the doctorate at Temple. Right. So you're, you're working on your doctorate. You volunteer uh, every, you know, once every couple of weeks. Al gets hired, uh, and you immediately jump in. Oh, what, was, what was that first yeah, role there? No, that, that was uh, immediately jump in. It was me sending a cold email to Mike telling him I'm on campus. Uh, they need help, and as you know, at that time, you know the program was was a little bit of a disarray, yeah. and they they were uh, to to make a yeah, sure. as an understatement, but they were just looking for anybody. You know, it was kind of all hands on deck, yeah. and they just needed bodies to do things. So I came in in that December and uh, was stuffing recruiting mailers, yep. and sealing envelopes, and that was it. And we kept doing that. They kind of knew what I wanted to do. They had a sa. Bakta. Satyam Bakta. Yep. He's been on the show a couple times. There yep. you go. <laughs> uh, man, you have, you, you've uh, dug deep. Uh, yeah, so he, he, uh, he was the academic GA yep. in that transition time. And then we had, uh, I forgot, maybe Jonas. Jonas Jackson left, and he was a defensive. So Sat got the defensive GA job. But yep. in, in the way Sat tells the story, I don't know this part because it was him going through it, that the only way they were going to promote him was if he found his replacement. Interesting. And – he knew what I was doing in terms of my academic background and everything. He knew I wanted to coach. So he came down the hall and said, do you want to be the academic GA? I said, yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, as you mentioned, it was, you know, all hands on deck. Yeah. And, you know, back in 2006, uh, there was rules, you know, NCAA in terms of like how many people could be on field and how many people could be hired in certain positions. All teams now, it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, a million uh, analysts and every every side of the ball has five GAs. Back then it was, you had an offensive GA and a defensive GA. They could be on the field. Uh, anybody else like had to be, you know, they were not considered to be part of like the football staff. Right. So, um, Basically, to get stuff done, they want to get done. Anyone that was like entry level and like below that was doing everything. So I remember my my first year, I was a, a video assistant. I was doing the recruiting mailers and helping out with the first Al Golden football camp. <laughs> and I was right by your your desk was right next to the copier, and That's I lived right. at the copier. Uh, so talking with you and uh, and Jason Freeman like all, all day long as I'm copying and and scanning all these documents. Um, but really, that allowed you then in in that kind of a role to say, okay. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of everything and having a lot of touch points to really kind of get introduced to the game and the business side of football. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, I've kind of always tried to stay connected to football in some way, but that, like you said, gave me an opportunity to get to, in my perspective, a high level of football in terms of college, Division I football. And Al and George DeLeon, really, the late George DeLeon, they they were the first two people I talked to. Mm -hmm. And and if you know George and his infectious personality and and the way he grinds and works, uh, and obviously Al is that way too, uh, that kind of gave me the opportunity. They knew, you know, I was very clear with them of what I wanted to do. I'll be the academic GA, I'm fine, but I'm willing to do anything else and I want to coach. Yep. Uh, and so really that year, uh, Pat Stort was there yep. also as our assistant director of football ops, I believe. Yep. Um, and he was helping out with special teams. And I was doing academics and kind of helping Sot with breakdowns on defense uh, and doing anything I can, you know, like you said, uh, anybody can do. And then when Pat left... Uh, Al Pat left to go to the New England Patriots. That's right. The scouting department. Uh, Pat was here with the Eagles uh, for a few years. As that's well. right. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, that—that's when I became the special teams GA. Sure. And so I was special teams GA and academic GA. Al didn't ever, not not ever. Uh, he didn't want to lose me from the academic uh, side <laughs> right. of it because we had grown it even before Jason had yep. gotten there. You know, there was a good six months or so before Jason had gotten there that we had to kind of put some foundational pieces in to help that program support itself academically. Mm. Uh, and we were able to do that. So, uh, yeah, and then, you know, we kind of just kept growing from those roles. Yeah. Uh, so you, you take the, uh, the special teams role. Uh, take us through what, what goes into that. How did you uh, learn to break down special teams film? Because, you know, everybody watches the, the offense of all 22. They go on a game pass and they watch the defensive right. side. But breaking down like special teams film, that's a, a learned skill, right? Uh, when did, how did you learn to be able to go through that tape? Yeah, I would say breaking down any tape. Is a learned skill, yeah, uh, and especially in the roles that you got to serve when you're serving a different coordinator or a different head coach or whoever the boss is at that time. Uh, they all have their nuances on how they want to break down tape. So for me, it was kind of learn as you go. You know, you're around the program, you've been around Pat. There's some templates there, and Al was very good in terms of he told you what he wanted, he told you the expectations, and he kind of let you navigate there. And it was an ongoing process uh, to say the least. And you know, like Al was a uh, pretty famous uh, in the building for his acronyms of, you know, there are different things that he would like yell at you through his corrections yeah. <laughs> with an acronym. Uh, and so once you realize that you didn't get the acronym back and he didn't stop yelling at you, you figured out that you were doing it okay and you kept doing it that way. And then then it just becomes about learning on your own and, and trying to be more efficient with the process mm. to just keep getting a better product. There was a, a line from your press conference Um when you're not learning, you're not growing. And it reminded me of something that, uh, you know, Coach Golden was always big on uh, culture building and he had all the binders, right? <laughs> so, like, it was a lot of binders. Uh, and I helped him with a lot of those binders over the course of my career. And I remember there was one quote from one that stuck with me. I still, like, it's like, you know, some things like stick with you. Yeah. Uh, if you're when you're done learning, you're through. And as soon as I heard you say that quote, I was like, man, that reminds me so much uh, of that one. Uh, what did Coach Golden mean to you uh, in terms of uh, your uh, introduction to the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm very grateful for kind of the opportunities and the people I've been around, and I understand my background is different and unique uh, to rise to the levels that I've risen to, uh, and and I'm very appreciative of the people that have helped me there. And you know, he he's the first one. Yep. You know, he's the first one that gave me an opportunity to be a GA, gave me an opportunity to be a position coach and a coordinator in Division One, uh, and then brought me to Miami, albeit off the field, but exposed me to another opportunity, uh, and then encouraged me to go. Uh, get the BC job. Uh, and so, he, you know, he means a tremendous amount. And we're, we're still close friends. His wife, Kelly's wonderful. Her and I, just my wife, uh, still talk a bunch. Uh, so 
you know, I, I don't think uh, another quote from uh, one of the temple staff members. Uh, now that we're reminiscing about that, was you see the same people on the way up as you do on the way down. <laughs> they had your D's. That's right. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, uh, hopefully, I'm not on the way down. But you know, uh, you never want to forget the people that that helped you. Sure, uh, that's that's outstanding. I forgot about that quote. <laughs> uh, you mentioned George DeLeon, uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, for the first couple of years that we were there. Um, he had a, a huge impact on Jeff Stoutland, uh, the offensive line coach here in Philadelphia, uh, and so many uh, around the league. And and he, uh, unfortunately, like you said, passed uh, last year at the combine. So the the 2020 two combine you worked with his son mark uh in yeah. chicago for a little bit and um but george de Leon, i mean just talk about the impact uh, he had on you as well yeah that's uh i mean it's priceless price you know stout uh would say similarly yep just a tremendous tremendous football coach uh football mind innovator uh during his time remarkable career uh, as coach coordinated all sides of the ball. He was Donovan McNabb's offensive coordinator at Syracuse. That's uh, right. Bring it back for, for and, an Eagles tie. Uh, and then then brought in, you know, be, eventually became the defensive coordinator at Syracuse too, yeah. I think, for a little bit. And then coached in the league. So just tremendous amount of experience. The, the cool thing was we were both from Connecticut. Yep. Uh, so I think he had a little bit of an inkling in liking me early on uh, that way. And he actually uh, uh, coined my first nickname uh, in this profession of bulldog, I was going to I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I was going to see if uh, if you could guess what that what I was going to bring up there. Yeah, yeah. bulldog, um, and and that that stayed with me. And, and actually, Stout still calls me that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> uh, because of that. But like you know, th- there's the other example. You know, I went down to Miami, and George had left us. I think he had gone to the Miami Dolphins or something at that point. Uh, and I had an opportunity to go down with Al to the University of Miami, and uh, I go there, and Stout's there on the staff uh, at that time. Yeah. Uh, and he said the first thing he didn't know me, you know, we had known of each other because we're both from the Northeast. And he he just yells bulldog, you know. So it was that George sure. was always connecting. Yep. Uh, everybody, he was always going to be a resource to help you, not as long as you put in the work. Yeah. And I mean, you had to work, you no had doubt. to grind, you had to be good at what you did, uh, and he would hold you to that. Yeah. And I, I respect that. Um, and and so he he's obviously a tremendous uh, influence just in terms of how you grow in the profession. Mm. Uh, you know, you do it the right way. Uh, you don't. He was not a networker. He was not somebody was going to put his name out there. You just work hard. You'll be great at your job, and then somebody will notice, and they'll help you get another job. Yeah, uh, not not to go on a George DeLeon like tangent, yeah. but I think it's worth <laughs> worthwhile. Obviously, um, I'll tell you a quick story, and you're going to love this. I, I've told Stout this uh, in the past. My first year, so 2006, it was like a random like Wednesday night. It was like 10 at night, and we're, you know we're there, we're all there working. Uh, and coach walks into my office, and he goes. You know, Fran, he was like, a question for you. I was like, yeah, coach, what's, you know, what's up? He's like, are you a football guy? And I was like, I'm you know, 20 years old, 19 yeah, years right. old. I have no, I, I've never heard this term before. But I'm like, uh, I, I think so. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, are you a football guy? And I'm like, yeah, I think so, coach. He's like, all right, come with me. 10 o'clock at night on Wednesday, pulls me into his office. We sat there for like three hours, showed me all of his teach tapes on like inside zone, outside zone. Hey, this is how we teach it. An individual taking it to team periods, <laughs> taking it to the game. Dude, like unbelievable. And then literally like pulled out the uh, the inflatable mattress out of the it's closet slept, and then right. went, went to sleep and said, I'll see you tomorrow. And <laughs> it was, he, uh, he was the best. He, his biggest thing, and I talked to him kind of towards the end there a little bit, uh, was he, he – and he did. This, he was successful at this. Uh, but he always wanted to leave a mark, a positive impression on future young coaches. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you go anywhere in the Northeast – uh, and and everybody from high school coaches to pop Warner coaches on up through college coaches will talk about him. And and I'll finish with this: is he, uh, you know, when I started recruiting, I, you know, I had Connecticut and he had left Connecticut, and I got some of South Jersey and Central PA. 
And he was the guy I called. Yeah. And he gave me the roadmap. And he said, you go to this school, then you stop at breakfast at this place, go to coffee <laughs> here, make sure you get a sandwich at this place. Yep. And, and, and he kind of paved that road for me to keep growing. So you go to Miami, you're assistant DFO, director of football operations there. Then you get uh, that job with Boston College. Uh, you mentioned Frank Spaziani, the head coach at BC, running back coach and special teams coordinator. What was it like getting that that first like full time like th- th- this is my room, this is my this is my gig? Like what was that like for you? Yeah, it was. You know, so I got I guess take you back there because at Temple is when I became the linebacker coach and special teams True. coordinator. Yeah, that's a good point. That's you know, a, so, yeah, so I had the outside point. backers there. So that was that uh, point, but. Uh, this was the first time on the offensive side of it. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, obviously comes with some anxiety because mm. uh, you want to be great at what you do. Uh, but it just forces you to prepare even better and even more. Sure. And that experience, there's been a couple of those experiences I've had in my career. But to be able to coach on the offensive side of the ball, I think as a defensive coach is invaluable. Mm. Uh, because the reality is, as defensive coaches, you know, a lot, oftentimes we speculate on what we think the offense is doing. Yep. Um, but now I had a perspective of, well, this is what this offense actually did. And you see, this is what I, they actually told them. I feel like we see that so often too, right? You know, Coach Golden was a, a tight end, uh, began, uh, yeah. mostly a defensive coach throughout his career. Jeff Stoutland, I know he was a defensive yep. player and, and uh, often legendary offensive line coach. Uh, you go down the list. Yeah, Jim right. Johnson uh, was a, a tight end, I believe, you know, playing through college and be, became one of the best defensive coordinators uh, in modern football history. So uh, that's something you get that, you know, working both sides of the ball. Absolutely. I think I think it's just an invaluable experience and, and I would recommend it to any, really any young coach. Yeah, so then the transition from BC to Chicago, you get hired. Uh, Mark Tressman, uh, Mel Tucker's the defense coordinator right. there with the Bears at the time. Uh, what was that transition like for you? It was, again, it was uh, another opportunity to climb. You know, uh, we had gotten fired. We didn't have a job, so we were about to take any job we could. Yeah. Uh, and to get access to the league has been something I was trying to do. Uh, even with my days at Temple, Al had helped me uh, to try to get in, and he thought I'd be a good fit in the league. But access is, is always an issue. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the league is... At that point, was and it still is very limiting in terms of who it allows access to as a coach. Sure. Yeah, uh, and so uh, you know, obviously, Mark and Mel had given me that access, and so that was tremendous. And, and to be able to work and learn another system of football at a different level, obviously the highest level, uh, and you know that experience was great because we were transitioning, uh, and we had taken over a defense that was good for a bunch of years before, sure. and we kept a lot of that defense. Mm. Uh, and so that was a cool thing to learn a four-three defense. And at that time, probably the best 4-3 defense uh, at that time in terms of that Lovey Smith, Tampa 2 yep. uh, stuff. They had a good six, seven, maybe eight years of, of top-level defenses. Uh, so take that over. That, that was a tremendous experience to kind of go through that and get my taste of the NFL. Yeah, and Mark Trestman, known as, a, as an innovator. You know, Mel Tucker, one of the most respected defensive minds. What did you learn from, from those two coaches? Because yeah. you were with them for two years, 13 and 14. Well, you know, from Mel, it's really about uh, the preparation – uh, how you how you deal with players, interact with players, and, and talk to players, how you hold them accountable and coach them at a high level uh, while still earning their respect. Um, and then his ability to really inherit a scheme and and keep it going. And, and you know, you learn some of the things that maybe we could have done better, Yeah, you know, at that time, which I think is an important lesson that oftentimes, at least what I've tried to use in my career is, you know, I haven't been a part of uh, championship organizations at every stop. You know, we developed a championship organization at Temple. Yep. And it took us time to develop that. And at BC, I was at the tail end of it. Uh, and at Chicago, I was fortunate enough to stay there for nine years where we became the best defense in the league. 
uh, over a few transitions. Um, and then at Seattle, you know, we kind of, uh, in one year's time, brought that defense back up yep. to, to a, a pretty good level of football and got back to the playoffs and was under a, you know, a future Hall of Fame head coach. So I think you can learn so many things from that variety of experiences as long as you're open to learning. Sure. You know, and, and you don't think there's only one way to do it. And that was really the big lesson. You saw Mark Tressman, who had a really unique style of leadership because he's very uh, cerebral. Yeah. Uh, and he had been out of the league for right. a few years up until he was then. In Canada, he was in Canada for, That's before right. that job, and right? And won the Grey Cup and, and, and all that stuff. So that was a cool experience for me to see his transition also. Yeah. And then, uh, so 13 to 14, you're with that pair. And then in 2015, John Fox gets hired. Vic Fangio comes in. Uh, we'll talk about that transition. And yeah. you, you stuck uh, in that role as defensive quality control. That's right. Uh, I had, had the good fortune of uh, being uh, kind of held over. I always tell that story. It's like the George Costanza story that he tells. That you just kind of show up in the office and they, they keep you there. Uh, <laughs> just look busy. Just hold papers, right. <laughs> look angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it was great. Again, you know, you, you went from a profile of Mark, who was different than obviously John Fox now, who had uh, gone to a couple Super Bowls. Yep. Uh, I think at that point, probably been, coach, or been a head coach for close to 10 or 15 years at in this league. At that point, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you got to see a different way of how to lead and run an organization in this league. And then with Vic, obviously, uh, we all know his respected career and the, the success he's had from his dome control uh, all the way through. Yep. And that the biggest learning experience there was a transition roster-wise and scheme-wise from a team that was built on 4-3 yep. principles, like traditional 4-3 principles right. uh, in terms of that Lovey Smith defense to a team that went to a very traditional 3-4 defense. At that time, were you guys saying, like, hey, we're just going to go, let, let's pull the Band-Aid off, go really quick and try and make the transition? Or did you know it would be a little bit of a slow burn? Well, uh, I think that's a good question for Vic. Yeah, right. Uh, but if you all know Vic, uh, there's no slow burner there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, he, he was going to install his defense. Yep. And the players were going to respond to his defense. And they did. And we got better. Were we great uh, early on? No, we were in the transition phase, and we were still installing the defense. But what you saw is how that transition can happen and how effective it can happen. You can go from being, I think we were 30 or 32nd in 14 mm. uh, in defense to top 20. Right. Yeah. That's and, then, and then you can go from whatever number we were. I don't know these numbers, but go from top 20 to 14, 15. You matriculate right up there. Yeah. And then you keep going. And then all of a sudden, you start getting the top 10. And then you become the number one defense in yep. the league. You know, and that was pretty much that transition from 14 through 18. Yeah, and then uh, Matt Nagy comes in a couple years later. He retains Vic, most of that defensive staff, yeah. right? Uh, what, was, what was that transition like? You're, again, another head coach That's uh, right. in your career. No, another head coach. Um, and and that, was, that was a unique transition because, obviously, you know, I felt comfortable that uh, if Vic was going to get retained, yep. uh, I'd get retained because of our, his and I relationship. Uh, and there were some opportunities to grow, you know, and to be honest, as most coaches have had, some chances to grow and, and maybe you get looked over, you get passed over. Sure. And that happened at that, uh, not at that time, but in that time, uh, uh, once or twice. And so there's some frustration that builds up. Obviously, that's a credit to my wife uh, to to kind of be the strength and, and uh, encourage me to keep going. And still, you, you got to kind of trust yourself and the people you're around. And so when... Over time, uh, you know, when Vic left, you know, that transition happened again with Matt, and then Chuck came in. Yep. So another transition and had an opportunity to uh, – got blocked uh, to go with Vic, uh, and Matt promoted me. 
Right. And so that's where you get the job as a safeties coach. That's right. Right. And so that was another cool transition. And now the, the cool thing there is you're elevating from a role and you got to establish yourself in a different uh, set of eyes from what the players view you. Mm. You know, because you're a QC and you're in the room, you're coaching, you're teaching, and, and I think I had earned a lot of respect from a lot of the players in a lot of different rooms. You've been I'd, there for so long at that point. Yeah. That's right. And I had worked with outside backers, inside backers, and DBs in that whole time. Yeah. Uh, but now you're you're the safeties coach, so you got to manage a certain set of guys, and you got to make sure you earn that respect uh, to do that. And I think I had built up that equity over time to be able to make that transition a little quicker. So you had been with with Vic for four years. I've, I'm sure there are a lot of there's a long list of things that you've yeah. learned. What, what were some of the the biggest impressions that he made on you? Yeah, I mean, geez, uh, that's right. I, I would say first, uh, in terms of NFL football experience and how to be a coach in the NFL is the biggest thing that he's taught me. Yeah. Uh, that was the biggest influence. Uh, and then going down the list a little bit would be how to prepare for an NFL game yep. uh, week in and week out and how to make sure that you're adaptable and flexible enough to suit the needs of your players while responding to offensive trends and needs. Mm. Uh, you can never go into a game without without not having an answer, and you got to make sure that you get to your answer fast. And that doesn't mean that you may uh, – you know. We, you play enough football and coach enough games, you have ups and downs sure. in this league. Right? You don't want to react a, to the first thing that happens that's and right. be overzealous you, with you, it. Yeah. You, stay pan, you, you stay poised with what you've got, yep. and you trust your process, and you rely on putting your players in the best position that they can handle and be in to execute at a high level. Mm. And it's about that process, right? It, it wasn't about the outcome. It was about the process and focusing on that detail to make sure that we're playing good, fundamental, sound, tough, physical football and that we've got the answers as in him uh, when he was doing it as the coach to put him in different spots. Yeah. And and then create havoc and create confusion and create uh, different things for an offense to prepare for. Yeah. And then Chuck Pagano comes in. Uh, you mentioned that's when you get promoted yeah. uh, to safeties coach. You're, you're in that role. Uh, what was it like? I mean, it was, uh, I guess, similar kind of structure in some ways, right? But a, a different ideology, right? That's right. That's right. They, they both grew up... Uh, uh, similar structure, different I- ideology. I think that's the best way to say it, to be honest, Fran. Is, Thank you. Uh, th- yeah, yeah I, I've, I've never said it that way. That's, that's the best way to, to refer to it because, you know, there, there's different layers and levels of a base defense of 3-4. Mm. Yep. And, and they were different branches. Sure. And, and Vic had some crossover at Baltimore out of that branch for a little bit. Uh, but he's got his own branch of 3-4 with Dom Capers and – and those guys. And so uh, there was a layer there. And it was valuable because I got to get exposed now to a third defensive system. Right. Yeah. 4-3, uh, the Vic Fangio, Dom Capers type of 3-4 really falls in line with Coach LeBeau's uh, type of 3-4. And then this Baltimore version yep. of 3-4. Uh, and, and then we were able to mesh some concepts together and merge them together and then build our own deal in Chicago for 19 and 20. Uh, with Chuck, and then his experience was awesome because obviously he's a decorated coach in this league as a head, head coach. coach. Yeah. That's right. And so to be able, to, and he was at a point in his career where he was so willing to share his experiences. Right. And to to have that around you is valuable as a young coach. I mean, you get that vibe. He's done some media since then, and you kind of get that vibe that that's how he's been. Oh he didn't just gosh. like flip that switch no, and say, "Okay, this is no. how I'm going to be." That, now. That's who his character is. That's sure. Right. He's a high character, high high quality person. And then uh, last year, you go to Seattle and you work for another another legend, yeah, a future Hall of Famer in Pete Carroll. Yeah, and and I don't I don't mean to. Yes, I want to I want to address Coach Carroll, but the the other part of the transition that I think is relevant is when I became the coordinator. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, after, let's, let's after, talk about that. Yes. After Chuck was because 
it was another transition yep. in terms of scheme and philosophy because obviously I have my roots, my a bulk of my NFL career was with Vic. Yep. Right. So I've got a lot of roots there. Uh, and so, but that doesn't mean we didn't like any of the stuff that we did with Chuck. It was a, a new merging of philosophies and a, a leniency of certain ways. And then your ability to put your stamp on the defense a certain way. Uh, so that, that was a cool transition uh, to go to. And then obviously I'm super thankful for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for giving yep. me that opportunity there. Uh, and then, yeah, this, this last year uh, is, is probably one of those other pivotal years. I think I was talking to my wife the other day, you know, maybe a decade or two decades, whenever down the road, we get a chance to sit down and reflect a little bit. I think the year in Seattle will be a huge, uh, a huge year for my development. Mm. Uh, out of all the coaches and they've all been great coaches I've been a part of, I finally got that was the first time in my career I had a choice to go somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And and as you know in coaching that that's not always the case. Yeah, right. Uh you gotta take whatever job you can get. And so we were privileged enough to have a choice. Uh and we were privileged enough to have a Hall of Fame coach, future Hall of Fame coach want us. Yeah. Uh at a place that he has won Super Bowls, been to Super Bowls, won national championships in college. He's been coaching fifty years, you know, way longer than I've been born. Uh, not wait longer now, I guess. Uh, but um, uh, to that was something that I was looking for. That was a piece of leadership and brand that I didn't have in my arsenal. Yeah. You know, we had all different types of profile coaches and all successful in their own right, but I didn't have the Super Bowl. I didn't have the culture builder. I didn't have that. And then, you know, as a young coach, there's a couple of guys that have been out there uh, in the media and the football side, and Pete was one of those. You yep. know, he, he, podcasts, books. So he's one of the guys I've kind of always studied from afar. Sure. Uh, and now to get an opportunity to go work for him and, and learn about his organization and how he does it. And uh, there was another scheme change. Yeah. In sure. terms of what he believed in. Right. Uh, and and that was outstanding. So I think that just kind of goes to show you kind of where we started this conversation a little bit is you got to be willing to learn and grow because uh, there is no one right way. Pete yep. Carroll's won Super Bowls and been to, uh, had dominant defenses with the, the scheme that he was playing. Vic Fangio's done the same thing. Jimmy Johnson's done the same thing. I mean, Bill Belichick's done the same thing. Rex Ryan, like, there's all these people, and you could just go down the litany of these these coaches and yeah. these schemes that have done it. Mike Zimmer, uh, they're all over. Uh, so that that just showed me that, you know, you there's so many things that you can pull from all these systems, and as long as you make it your own and build your own identity, which is what we're trying to do here, uh, and build on the identity that, that's been built here uh, and merge it into what we where we want to go moving forward, that's really the ultimate goal. Yeah, I mean, you just went through the, like the list. You, you talk about uh, Pete Carroll, Chuck Pagano, Vic Fangio, John Fox, Mel Tucker, you know, Mark Trespin, Al Golden, Frank Spaziani, like all successful coaches. Was there one like as, as you sit back and kind of look at it? Is there like a reflecting theme where you're like, man, like all right, like all these guys kind of share like this quality or that quality? Yeah, you know, um, here's here's one thing I get out of all of them. And they all do it differently. Yeah. And I, and so that's why the theme is a little bit sure, different. Sure, sure. But they all have a way to enact this differently. Is is And Coach Carroll, to be honest, has has crystallized this thought the most. Mm. And he, he's probably the most experienced of all of those guys of course. in terms of years of uh, service. Uh, is you have to always think about your scheme in relationship to the players you have and getting in the players' minds. Mm. And you got to be able to develop the players and meet them where they're at and get them to grow and be better than what they think that they could have become. And the only way to do that is if you understand them, you empathize with them, and then you push them. And you challenge them to think a little bit outside their comfort zone 
to develop a a a new fresher advancing identity yeah for themselves and and I, to be honest i think that's what Pete really has been really artful at yeah and, I, and he's kind of proven that i i wonder if that's something that built within i would have to ask them this i guess at some point it would be like uh going from the jets to usc going back to college and like kind of you know having uh, obviously the, the amount of success he was out out there uh going to rose bowls when we were at, at temple together i remember <laughs> right. like pulling clips of like will ferrell showing up at practice right. and like trying to find other ways to like connect with you know the daily videos That's had right. to put together for the team uh but like finding ways to be able to like connect with his players uh, and get them engaged, keep them engaged. And that's only increased like ten, you know, tenfold since that's that right. point, right? It's like trying to reach the, reach the, the players, connect with them, engage with them, and then really make your, uh, your system learnable at that point. That's exactly right. And, and I think that's kind of been his essence and I don't want to steal his thunder, but that, that was the biggest takeaway I took yeah. uh, from that. And then his, the way how he does it was obviously I got be able to get firsthand experience of how, a coach like that does it. And the cool thing is uh, in this transition now coming to Philly is yeah. there's so many similarities of how uh, Coach uh, Sirianni runs a program here, right? And it's obviously led by Mr. Lurie and Howie, uh, but how this culture has been established here and how Coach Sirianni emphasizes these things of connection, compete, yep. accountability, football IQ, and fundamentals. Like you need all that. Yeah. And you need all that to be really good in this sport at at all levels, offense, defense, special teams. And without those, the scheme is what it is. Yep. But if you don't have those things, it, it makes the scheme really hard. Yeah, and honestly, we talked about this, you know, in the run up to the Super Bowl last year was uh, you look at those core philosophies, you look at those staples, and you say, you know, we want to, you know, lead in turnover ratio and explosive plays for and against, right? I mean, the Eagles were, they hit those marks right. last year and it resulted in a, in a lot of success um, on the field. But again, like, I think that that speaks to the point you made about Pete Carroll was like, yeah, like, fine way, hey, this is what we want to do. How do we connect to the players to get them to buy in and execute this vision? That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And the cool thing is, uh, that's our challenge as leaders. That's my challenge here. And and it, it's about re, redefining that process every single year. Mm. And and that, for sure, I've learned throughout my whole career. And then Pete kind of put the icing on that. I mean, it was every single day. He has his new manila folder that he takes notes on every single day. Yeah, and it's fresh, and the message is new, and it's relevant. It's applicable to what's happening now. Mm. Uh, you uh, last question for you: Like you're sitting right now in a chair that when you and I first met, you first started in football, 2006. Jim Johnson was defensive coordinator. You mentioned like <laughs> the standard is the standard, right? Like you were here uh, in Philadelphia at Temple when the you know those Eagles yep. defenses were uh, wreaking havoc. Like, uh, did you think in 2006? Did you think like I, obviously you had your goals, you had your aspirations? Like, hey, like this is the level that I want to be able to reach. Yeah, uh, I would say I had the goals, had the aspirations. I didn't necessarily see a pathway yeah. uh, to get there. And that's okay because sometimes uh, you need the, the cloudiness or the, the thickness of the forest and the trees to navigate. And that, what that reminds you of, for me at least, was to just focus on the process. You know, kind of going back to what George and Al told me is just do a great job at the role that you're given yep. and people notice. And to be honest, I've been around good people that have noticed. Yeah, You know, because... I know there's so many good, great coaches in this in this world that maybe they haven't had that opportunity because somebody didn't give a helping hand to them mm. uh, when they had a chance. And I've been around guys that haven't, and I've also been around some that haven't. <laughs> but that's sure. that's the way of this world. But yeah. uh, when when we need it the most, guys have helped me, and and I, I those guys know that I'm indebted to them. And you know, you try to pay it forward with your work. Yeah, 
Well, Sean, this has been awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. You gave us a, a ton of time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, wrapping up uh, off-season stuff, getting ready for a little bit of a break. Uh, enjoy some time away. I know <laughs> you won't get it too much, but enjoy some time away. I appreciate it, Fran. Thanks. Well, great stuff there from Coach Desai. Thanks to him, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later next week.